Fantastic. Thank you, Irene. That's, that's going to be our new way of doing notices, isn't it? It's like, forget a live news. We'll have people stood at the back and they'll just shout them. And um, we'll see who can hear what's going on. Well, on the 30th of November in 1989, our TV screens were filled with footage of protesters in Berlin breaking down the Berlin Wall. And I, don't, I, I can remember that as an eight-year-old. Um, looking at it on TV and seeing in my parents' living room and watching that and seeing this footage. As the East German security officials looked on and the security guards looked on in confusion, with this sense of what are we supposed to do with this? What is supposed to happen with this moment? All of that filled our TV screens. What was unseen was the prayer. Seven years of prayer. And um, I feel a bit emotional today. Um, this is meant to just be a start, a good story, and I feel a bit emotional. I'm going to talk about the power of prayer, and I love prayer. And um, I believe today I want to impart something into us as a community, as a, as a location, for us to believe that God is moving in our nation, and he's causing his church to, to begin to pray again like never before. But in 1982, in Leipzig, a group of churches got together and began on every Monday evening to meet together to pray. And what began as prayer vigils began to spill out onto the streets in protests of saying, enough's enough, the oppression has to end. We want to fight this, we want to do something about it. And at that time, by the time it got to 1989, in the October, 10,000 people gathered for those Monday night prayer meetings because they wanted something to change. Now, the security officials didn't want that to happen, and so they began to um, put out information saying that paratroopers were being flown into Berlin and to Leipzig to crush this rebellion. They were then saying that actually we're going to clear out all of the hospitals and we're going to get everybody ready for multiple gunshot wound injuries. All of that to intimidate, all of that to push people to the point of saying we're not going to meet. Instead of that, on October the 9th, what started off as 10,000 grew to 70,000. 70,000 people willing to stand and say, we're here to pray and we're here to believe. And the leaders gave all of those people who marched through the city of Leipzig two things, a candle and a flower, in order to show that both hands were occupied. No weapons, no intimidation. They were not here for violence. They were here to pray and to believe that in the name of Jesus, things would change. Two weeks later... 300,000 people gathered together for the same thing. And the security officials were unsure what to do. They had no grid to, to battle this or to do anything about it. And so what began as just a few people praying for seven years spilled over into a revolution that caused the Berlin Wall to come down. One official said this famously, we were ready for anything except candles and prayer. If we could get hold of that today and believe that through prayer, we can change everything. We can do anything through prayer. In the 19th century, a family of African slaves um, in horrific slavery found Jesus. And they would pray. They'd meet together to pray in the evening. And what they would do is they would... Come on. They, would, um, they had this cast iron pot... And it was used for everything from cooking, cleaning. It was the, the family um, kind of um, space that they would gather around during the day. And so in the evening, what they would do is they would creep out to the barn. And 
I'm kind of half laughing now. It's kind of quite amusing. <laughs> they turn this pot over. They'd lie on the ground and speak prayers into this pot to muffle their voices, fearing being caught and punished for praying because their slave master believed that if they believed in Jesus and prayed, they would get too much hope. And so they began to pray. They didn't, believe, they didn't believe for their own freedom, but they prayed for the next generation to find freedom. And this part, this part was passed down to the next generation as they became free. And a gentleman called Will Ford inherited this part and the story. And he believed that what God had done in that moment had, in, in stirring his family to pray and their prayers had brought about his freedom. So he traveled the country telling this story. He met a friend, Will Ford, met a friend of his called Matt Lockett. And Matt Lockett and Will Ford were friends for about 14 years. And Matt Lockett didn't know the history of his family and his story. And as he began to discover it and God began to reveal it, they found out that God had entwined these two people together incredibly. Matt Lockett's family were the slave owners of Will Ford's family. And in that moment, as these two friends sat together, one black, one white, what they realized was that God was weaving them together and he was answering the prayer of Martin Luther King when he said, the brothers and sisters of slave owners and slaves, slave, um, uh, slave owners and slaves as families would sit together around the table of friendship. And Martin Luther's prayer in that moment was answered. You can read that story in a brilliant book called The Dream King. There's so much more to it in terms of the detail of those things. But what we see through those, these stories is the power of prayer. And we see the power of the church believing that God is going to answer those prayers and do something with them. Prayer is powerful. It changes destinies. It changes nations. And it changes the future. And I believe that it's time for the church to rise up with a strong, clear voice and to begin to pray and to begin to believe that God is about to move in power. You see, Jonathan Edwards said, when God is about to move, he sets his people praying. And I believe there's a stirring in us. I've had so many conversations recently where there's a stirring in us as a body, as a group of people, where God is moving in our lives and God is stirring in us prayer like never before. Jesus is our example of prayer. Jesus modeled this right the way through his life. Someone who loved prayer, who understood his connection with his father was essential for him to live. There's a famous, um, it might not be that famous, there's a view of Jesus where he was called the praying one on earth. The praying one on earth. I absolutely love that. That Jesus, who came from the father, clothed in humanity, was the praying one. He chose his Mission and his outworking of his life was through prayer and through intercession. And we now understand through the Bible that Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. He's still praying for us. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. Just want to read a couple of verses from verse 11 about what Jesus says about prayer. You can see this on the screen. Jesus says this about prayer, John 14, verse 11 onwards. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. 
Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. What an incredible statement about prayer and our connection with God. That we ask for anything in the name of Jesus, and he does it. He does it. I don't know about you, but as I've um, journeyed with God and journeyed in prayer, one of the interesting things about prayer is that I don't know a Christian, I haven't met one yet, who hasn't been confused or had questions about prayer, about the unanswered nature of prayer, of while sometimes we pray half faith-filled prayers and God does something. Sometimes we feel more full of faith and then seemingly nothing takes place. It can be an enigma, a puzzle. It can sometimes feel like, are we, have we got it right? Are we making sense of all of this? Do we know what we're supposed to be doing? And yet, it's through prayer that the most incredible and wonderful things take place in the world. But it's not about a prayer formula. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And so as we journey through this today, as we look at the power of prayer, I want us to understand that the power of prayer lies in our relationship and intimacy with Jesus. It lies in our connection with God, walking with God as a friend rather than looking for a formula to find answers prayer. And you know, if we're going to do that, we've got to understand that, that our walk and our journey with God is going to shape us and it's going to connect us back to our original story and to our original position. Because prayer connects us and it shapes us and it connects culture and it shapes culture. So our first point is this, prayer connects us. If we look through the Bible, um, I love the Word of God. And I, I love the fact that as we read these um, verses and these stories, we see ordinary men and women who are going about their lives, who as they connect with God, begin to pray things and believe that God is going to work on their behalf. There's prayers of praise and thanks. There's prayers of adoration for God's goodness. There's um, prayers of desperation of God, we need you. There's fasting. There's opportunities to connect with God. And we see that right the way through Scripture. There's illustrations of the reality of what it means to pray as followers of Jesus and believers in God. And Genesis 1 gives us the story, the creation story. The narrative then introduces us to a God who has made us with a specific purpose in mind, that we reflect his image into the world. That God has created us in order that actually we would have stewardship in the earth and bring his kingdom rule and reign here on earth right now. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 gives a brilliant little poem about what it means to be made in the image of God, created by God and made in his image. God then places mankind and he gets hold of them and he puts them in a garden, in the Garden of Eden. And he says to them, this is the garden I want you to work in, I want you to subdue it, I want you to cultivate it, I want you to go and multiply and be fruitful in it. You've got a job to do, you've got work to do in this place. And then I love it how, second chapter of, of Genesis, God then comes and walks with Adam and Eve. He walks with them, the Bible says, in the cool of the evening. And I love this thought. This is just my thought. But I love this thought. That as God comes to walk with them, he's talking to Adam and Eve about their day. How's it going? 
What have they been working on? What plans have they got next in terms of the garden? What are they looking to do through their work? What are they intending to do? And Adam and Eve, in normal, natural conversation with God, talk about what are their hopes, their dreams, their expectations? What have they done that day? What does it mean for family? How are they expressing themselves in what God has created and what God has given them? And so we see humanity in this brilliant picture, walking with God, conversing with God, in connection with him, communion with him, and talking with him. And I love the thought that that is our original intention and purpose. God created you and me so that we would walk with him, talk with him, have a relationship with him. Now, as we know, through the fall, this was broken. All of that was damaged. But through Jesus Christ, we've seen that redeemed and restored for us. And so as the ones who believe in Jesus, we're then called to say, let's go back to that original call and mandate and say, now it's our time to talk with God, to connect with him, to walk with him, to converse and to say, as we talk with God, we get his view, his perspective on the plans and purposes and what he's up to in the world. And as we connect that with what God is doing in our lives, we see incredible things take place. If we look right the way through church history, we see the history of those who got hold of this reality and believed that through prayer they could get hold of the very kingdom of God and see it touch earth, that they could be connected back to their original call and mandate. We see incredible people who have stormed heaven and got hold of the truth and the promises of God and pulled them down into earth. Hudson Taylor, those that went on missionaries to China who established what is now one of the largest churches in the world. George Muller and his care of orphans who systematically prayed every day for their needs and saw their needs met by the end of the day. There's an incredible move of the, of the church that is based in the reality of prayer. And I want us to be in that same place. Robert Burns puts it this way, that as the church and as the followers of Jesus, we have a correspondence fixed with heaven. We have a correspondence fixed with heaven. I want a communication, a correspondence that is regular in my rhythm, in my life, that is connected to God and is allowing him to speak through. You see, prayer isn't something that we do. It's not an activity that you just engage in. Prayer is who you are. To pray is to engage with what, how God has created you and your original call and your original purpose. Don't try and add prayer to your life. Step into who you really are and begin to pray. Talk to God. Begin to believe that as God has created you to be in relationship with him, your conversation with him is the most natural, normal, and brilliant thing that you can do in your life. And so prayer connects us. And I love this. You know, I love, um, I love opportunities to pray. I get up at six o'clock every day to pray, an hour of prayer, reading the word of God. I love that. It's a great opportunity to start my day well, connecting with God. But it doesn't just start and stop there. Prayer is throughout our whole day. Prayer is actually just those regular moments of thankfulness and gratitude to God. Prayer is those moments when we believe and we um, just worship and we adore God, where we thank him for what he's doing. It's those prayers of help. God, I need you in this situation. It's our prayers for other people, knowing that actually as I am doing and engaging in that activity, I'm engaging with who I really am. I love it. One of my favorite things, and I've been talking to God about this recently, I just love the thought. I love it how most mornings I wake up with a different song in my head. Some of them are really old, some of them are quite new. But I just love it that actually as I wake up, there's a song in my heart to worship God and to praise him. There's something inside of me. I love connecting with the creator of the heavens and the earth. I want to challenge us and push us and inspire us this morning 
What's our connection with God like? Do you hold a view that as you pray, that's your original purpose? That's God's intention over your life. Don't try and add it to your life. Become who you're meant to be. And so prayer connects us, but then prayer shapes us. You see, what prayer does as we worship and we adore God, it allows something to be shaped in us of who Christ is. It allows Christ to be formed inside of us, in our very heart and in our nature. Bill Johnson says, prayer that doesn't change us is just complaining. Prayer that doesn't change us is just complaining. You know, if you go and you spend some time with God and you spend some time in prayer and you don't come out changed, all you've done is complain. But actually, prayer is there to shape something in us of Christ himself, his view of the world, his view of others that we're struggling with, his view of our finances, his view of our relationships are shaped as we come to pray. Now, worship and prayer become essential for us in shaping the desires of our hearts. See, we all worship something. We all worship things around us. But actually, because that's the way God's created us. He's created us with worship in mind. But our creation is meant to worship God. But what we so often do is we end up worshiping the things around us the things that we've made, the things that we can do. We worship other people. We worship music, art, sex, money, power. We worship these things because they're easily accessible to us. We make them into idols ourselves. And we've got to be really careful what we worship because what you worship is being formed on the inside of you and it's creating something that is then going to come out into the world. You can see on the screens 1 Timothy chapter 6 Verse 10 says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. Note the words, it's not money that's evil, it's the love of it, it's the worship of it. I believe actually many things could have been put in that place as Paul's writing. The love of whatever could be added in there because it's the root of evil. Because what it does is it corrupts our hearts when we worship something other than God. And then it begins to come out of us. They wander from the true faith and they've pierced themselves with many sorrows. What they've created and allowed to be formed inside of them then begins to come out into the world. And so if that's the same true for the love of money, what if we began to get our hearts right on the love of Jesus Christ and begin to say, my worship of God is going to form him inside of me, his nature, his character, his love for the world around us is going to be inside of us. Psalm 84, I'd love you to turn to Psalm 84 because we're going to come back to this um, a couple of times, but reading from verse 5, Psalm 84, verse 5, says this, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. In whose heart are the highways to Zion. Blessed are are those whose strength is in you. See, when we worship God, when we allow God to be our strength, what he does inside of us is to create something that then means a highway is formed to Zion, the very presence of God. A highway is formed in your heart and life by what you worship and what you adore. Now, we can worship all sorts of things, as I've said, but I want to be somebody who creates a highway to the presence of God in my heart that allows Christ to be formed inside of me. God said in Exodus, have no gods above me. He knows the order that things should be in. He knows there's good things around us that he's given us. He knows that all of those things are good for us, but they're not the things to worship. You see, what we worship creates a pathway, a highway, and a pattern in our life. 
It's why gathering together is so important. It creates a highway of worship in our life. It's why sharing in connect group is so significant for us because it creates patterns and it creates highways to the presence of God in our lives. When we pray and when we worship and we praise and we adore God, all of that is creating a highway in our hearts to the very presence of God. And so allow Christ to be formed in your heart and in your life. I'd love you to close your eyes just for one moment. Because it may be that for some of us here or for each of us here, other things have got in the way of our true worship of God. Now that could be all sorts of different things for all sorts of reasons. It could be work or achievement. It could be the way that we look. It could be pornography. It could be the need for power or for glory or to be affirmed. And Holy Spirit, just as we take this moment, I pray God that you would stir in our hearts. Is there anything that we've put before you. And I ask God that each and every one of us, just in the stillness of this moment, just have an opportunity to say sorry for that and to realign our lives with you. And so Jesus, we declare you're number one in our lives. You're our priority. You're our focus. You're our Lord and our master. Anything else in the way, Jesus, we move to one side and say, let Jesus Christ reign. Amen. So prayer connects us to our original call and purpose and mandate on our lives. Prayer is that, but it also shapes us. Now in shaping us, and connecting us to our original call and purpose, prayer also then connects culture. Prayer connects culture, or prayer connects cultures. You see, when we pray, we cause heaven to invade earth. Heaven literally moves when we pray. And so we cause what is now in the kingdom of the earth, we cause heaven to touch earth when we pray, and we ask God to come and to intervene. God has given us a role in stewarding and looking after the earth and cultivating it. And part of that role, when we take the raw ingredients of those things and we partner with God, through prayer we can see his kingdom come in the world. One of the translations of the word intercession um, in, the, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew in particular, is the word parga. You can see it on the screen. This links to many aspects, sometimes linked to prayer, but sometimes linked to connection in relationship with one another. It means to urge, to plead, to stand on behalf of, to pray for somebody else. It's used in all sorts of different places. You can see it in the, um, chapter one of Ruth, where Ruth is pleading with her mother-in-law, and it says she pleaded, she pargered with her in that moment. We also see it in Jeremiah chapter seven, when God is saying, I'm not going to listen to your your um, prayers, your petitions, or what you're pleading for uh, anymore. Don't stand, he said to Jeremiah, don't stand on behalf of the others anymore. That same word, parga, do not parga on their behalf. But one of the means, meanings of this word parga is to stand in the gap. We're the ones that actually, with our call and our mandate, are called to stand in the gap between heaven and earth. You see, there's a gap between heaven and earth. When Jesus came, he came saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He came to proclaim that actually that gap is no longer in place because he's going to bridge it. And that's our role too. And when we pray, we stand in the gap between heaven and earth and we pull the two together. And we allow heaven to touch 
earth. So let's just link some of these thoughts together. Our original call and mandate on our lives and purpose is to pray. That's who you are, is, is to pray. Allowing Christ to be formed in our hearts and lives causes him to come out of us into the world, which then begins to connect and to shape culture. It connects it. I want you to think about where are circumstances around your life that aren't in line with the name of Jesus Christ? Where are they not in line with God? Perhaps in your family, in your workplace, perhaps in um, relationships, there's just moments where you think that's not in line with the kingdom of God. That thing is not the way that it should be. When we begin to pray for those things in our community, you know, when we look around our community and we see brokenness and poverty and difficulty, we can say that's not in line with the kingdom of God. And so therefore we can take hold of that and say there's a mandate upon our lives to pray and to ask God to come and change that, to come and do something. So we can ask the question, what's that out of line with the name of Jesus Christ? And then we can begin to pray, God, come and invade, come and do something. Now, I just wonder if our view of what we can pray for and what we can ask God to do is too small. I've got this great quote that you can see on the screen. The circumference of spirit-inspired prayer is boundless. It's boundless. More things are wrought by prayer than in any sphere you care to name than this world dreams of. When we turn aside to pray, we converse with the one whose domain covers every phase of life. God is interested in every aspect of our lives and our communities. And when we pray, the circumference of that prayer is boundless. There is no limit to what we can pray for and what we can pray about. Abraham Cooper puts it this way. There isn't a square inch of human existence over which Christ, who is Lord over all, doesn't cry, mine. All of it belongs to Christ. And when we pray for the kingdom of God to come, we're connecting those things together. Now, sometimes that can work out quite easily. Sometimes that can be more difficult. A number of years ago now, we had um, a difficult situation with one of my family members who appeared to be in quite a difficult controlling and manipulative relationship and he was quite far away and so our connection wasn't that good but whenever we talked about it it seemed to damage relationship or make things more difficult or worse but the more that we looked on the more that we were concerned about this relationship and the difficulties in it the manipulation the control the secrecy the difficulties with it and so but the more that we talked about as I say the more that we ended up in relational tension and problems. And so we ended up speaking to my mum and dad about it, who just said, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. We began to pray, and three weeks later, the whole situation turned on its head. The whole thing blew up, and um, my family member was released from this relationship that turned out was extremely manipulative, controlling, and difficult. But three weeks later, as we began to pray, the whole thing turned around. You see, there's a connection that we bring as we pray that causes heaven to touch earth. That often we're the answers to those prayers ourselves, and we were in terms of supporting this person. But actually, in terms of the moment, what we needed was the power of God to come and intervene. Where in your life do you need heaven to invade? Where does it feel like we need God to come and move in power? Where is the presence of God in your life? What would it look like if you began to pray for that every day? God, come and move. Come and do something in this area. Come and change this. What if you went for it? What if you made a commitment, I'm going to pray for this every day? And what if you didn't? What if you don't do that? Where does that leave those situations? 
And so prayer shapes, prayer connects culture. We literally stand in the gap and we cause heaven to touch earth. And then finally, prayer shapes culture. You see, I believe that through obedience, our call is to stand in the gap for other people. And as we're obedient to God, his kingdom, and his promises on the earth, we will see the glory of God touch earth and fill our lives around us. I believe that the key to answered prayer in our life is obedience, doing what God has asked us to do. Some of those things are in the regular, ordinary, everyday moments of our time with God. Some of those things are bigger things where God has said, I need you to do this, to have this conversation, to be brave in this area of your life, to change this pattern of behavior, to stop thinking in that way. But as we're obedient to God, I believe that God answers our prayers and moves in power. In Exodus 40, we see that Moses has prayed, God, show me your glory. And he's connected with God, he's heard the name of God, and then he's been given, as he's spent time with God, the instructions for making the tabernacle. And in Exodus 40, it's recorded, it says these words, that Moses completed or finished the work. He finished the work that had been given to him. And then the next line says, and then the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. You see, Moses was looking for the glory of God. What God needed him to do was be obedient to what he said he should do. I I read this um, quote recently that really helped me understand obedience. Chip Ingram says, God loves us unconditionally, but he doesn't trust us unconditionally. He loves you unconditionally. But trust is something that's built over time. In our history with God, When God says to us through Connect Group or church on a Sunday or one of our friends at work, I've got a word for this person. Why don't you encourage them in this way? I'd love you to pray for that person in that way. Or maybe there's opportunities where we just think, I've got this person on my mind all of the time and I just want to pray for them and send them a message and bless them. As we walk out the small steps of obedience, God's presence falls amongst us. He loves us unconditionally. But trust with him is something we build over time as we build a history with him. Pete Gregg says, go where your best prayers take you. Go where your best prayers take you. You see, our prayers should lead to action and obedience with God. Back to Psalm 84. I'd love you to just read a couple more verses. We read verse 5, which has this concept or this idea that what is shaped in us creates a highway. And I want to create a highway to the presence of God. But I love then what it goes on to say. Verse 6 of Psalm 84 says, As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, and the early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Verse 6. Let's just focus there for a moment. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The valley of Baca was um, a place uh, most likely of desert and of some trees um, that had the sap of these trees would leak out of them. So it looked like these trees were weeping. And so Baca became known as a place of weeping and a place of wilderness and dryness. So what the psalmist is saying here is, whenever you go through a place that feels dry, difficult, weeping, or full of sorrow, the people of God who have created a highway in their hearts and lives to the presence of God make that place full of springs. 
They're the ones that actually bring transformation to it. They make it a place of springs, and then the early rain covers it with pools. Notice the two things. There's an action that we get to do. We cause, in those places, springs to rise up, but then we also see the rains fall. Stuart preached a couple of weeks ago on the power of revival and the cloud the size of a man's hand beginning to rise above this nation. And I believe that revival and and transformation, reformation, awakening, whatever you want to call it, I believe it's on the way, but it requires the people of God to get hold of that truth and begin to pray it in. It takes us to say, we're going to shape and transform something by what's been shaped inside of us. It takes us to get hold of this and say, the earth feels like it's full of a wilderness where there's weeping and sorrow and difficulty. The earth feels like it's full of tension and uncertainty, but we as the people of God carry the hope and the certainty of Jesus Christ into every aspect that we go. And so into this city, we get an opportunity to begin to pray hope and certainty and peace. And as we do that, we then carry that because it's formed something inside of us. We carry that wherever we go. And so the places where it feels dry and difficult, we cause those places to be like springs rising up. And we ask for rain from heaven to come down and to fill those pools. You see, there's a shaping that we get to do. There's a transformative approach that we get to partner with God in. I believe that some of this is in new daily rhythms for us, that some of us need to kickstart again a sense that actually my life is going to start and end with um, the patterns and um, approach with God. I love daily readings. I love um, times of prayer through the day. I've just recently um, began, perhaps a bit old school, but connecting with the lectionary of the um, Church of England and just going through, actually, what does it mean, the start of the day and the end of the day with some readings, some set Bible readings that take you through the whole Bible over two years. And that has just developed something in me of a a brilliant connection to God, just a rhythm and a pattern that's allowing something to be formed in me that then I believe can come out of me. I believe that our communities and our workplaces need this. They need to see what has been shaped and formed inside of us. There are work colleagues that you have in your place that perhaps you find difficult at the moment, but actually God is putting his hand upon their life. And as he has formed something inside of you that comes out, I believe there are prayers to pray, there are encouragements to make, there are actions to take as we believe God for what he's got for us. There's peace in the city to come, there's justice in this city that is required as the people of God rise up and say it's our time to lift our voices, to partner with God and to pray. You see, the power of prayer lies in understanding that we're connected to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, an intimate and deep relationship, that he's shaping himself inside of us, that community is then connected as we pray, heaven, touch, earth, and then it's shaped as we see those dry places become filled with living water. One month ago to the day, on the 4th of July, um, I was, um, Joy and I were um, doing some prayer and fasting during that week. I was f- um, day four of a fast. And um, I have a love-hate relationship with fasting. Maybe you do too. I love fasting because it helps me to pray whenever I feel hungry, which is all of the time. And I hate fasting because I feel hungry all of the time. And um, some people talk about once you get over day three, it's loads easier. You stop feeling hungry and hunger pans. I don't seem to experience that. It's a, it's a lie. And um, so I love fasting, but I hate fasting. But I, I was on day four of this fast, and um, in, I was in one of those moments where I was driving into the office and thinking, it's probably right, I should put some worship music on, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to seek God. 
and just, um, just, just pray. And as I'm driving on the B road from um, our um, house into England, it's pretty much just one B road into the city, and um, as I'm driving in, the presence of God just hits me, and um, it begins to, to bubble over, and I begin to cry and to weep, and I have this um, encounter with God that um, was, was bewildering at times, but was exhausting, yet incredible, as this new tongue came out of me. And I began to encounter God and began to pray and began to cry out to God, come on God, Lincoln needs you. Jesus, Lincoln needs you to move in power. We need you to come and do something in this place like you've never done before. It was raw. It was a desperation. I couldn't see as I was driving. I thought I was going to crash or have to stop. But I got into the office just after a 15-minute drive, and I felt like I'd been in maybe a battle, or I felt exhausted just on the inside. I went into the office, and um, Gemma, um, one of our team, saw me, and she went, oh, hi, how are you doing? And I tried to just say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. And what kind of came out was this mumbled, oh, I think I'm all right, and I started to cry again. And um, she kind of stared at me like, I hope you're okay. And, um, but I, I, I text Joy, who, who was um, in a different part of the country, and um, just saying, just had this amazing encounter with God, and um, just loved it, uh, but I don't know what to do with it. Um, and, and Joy was like, that sounds amazing, can't wait to hear about it when I get back. And she um, then drives back from Crewe, and as she turns onto the same B road, she has the same experience. The presence of God hits her. A new tongue bubbles up. This sense of raw desperation for God to come and move in power in our city begins to bubble up and come out of her. When she got home, she said, I'm exhausted. I said, I know I was. And she said, you never told me it was like that. And I was like, no, I I didn't give you all the details because it just felt so overwhelming. That night we went out, we came to the prayer meeting, revived prayer meeting, kind of half thinking, is anything going to happen? on the road, and um, nothing happened whatsoever. Friday morning, I go to work again, and I'm praying, worshiping, and saying to God, God, we need you to move in power. This same thing just bubbles up, and this new tongue that I couldn't access at any other time just begins to come out again as I'm speaking and saying, God, we need you to move in power. On the way home on that Friday, I um, go via Tesco, and so as I'm um, driving home, I turn again onto the B road, thinking I'm back on this B road, and bang, This thing just hits me again. Not as strong, not as powerful, but just crying out for God to come and move in power. Two weeks later, um, a friend of ours who we told about this sends us a newspaper article that in one of the villages that we'd driven um, through called Brattleby on this B road, um, the residents, number of the residents woke up on the 4th of July at 10.30 in the evening or were disturbed at that time because of an earthquake. Now, experts um, are saying, they reported um, in this article, are saying there was no earthquake. No earthquake whatsoever. There's no readings of it. Um, I forget what it's called, the seismic. The Richter scale, there's no movement on the Richter scale in Brattleby. However, people woke up or their houses shook in that moment. And I just wonder... I look at that and I begin to say, God, what are you doing in our time? I believe you're stirring something inside of us. As I shared that story with Stuart and Irene, Irene did some research into the Springline villages, which is all along those lines. And they're called the Springline villages because, obviously, there's springs, and people gathered and created communities around those springs. And they're called Springline because it's a place where hard rock and soft rock meets in a line, and so water begins to come through. Now, I'm looking for 
those pools to be created in Baca. I'm looking for God to begin to move and to say, for the people of God, I'm stirring something, I'm shaking something in the earth and inside of them that I believe, I believe is going to come out like a spring. It's going to be water into the desert. It's going to be water into the wilderness. And so I want to encourage us today. I believe that God wants to impart something into our hearts and lives for a passion for prayer. But it starts with and is earthed in our understanding that we are connected to God, that he connects us through prayer. That's our original purpose and mandate. That then as we connect that, God is shaped inside of us and a highway is created in our hearts and lives that then begins to take us and others into the presence of God. That shapes, that, that connects culture as we cause heaven to touch earth. And it shapes culture as we begin to say everywhere around us that feels dry, that feels weary, that feels sorrowful, the kingdom of God is going to come in power to move in this place. Let's pray together. Just close your eyes for a moment. We're going to pray in a few ways. I'd love to just pray first off just for an impartation of faith and of passion for prayer. So maybe you want to open up your hands. I, I believe this is on me today to believe for an impartation to pray like never before. And so God, I ask over each of our lives for you to come and move in power. Thank you for prayer, our conversation with you, our regular rhythm and connection with you and who you are. And God, I pray for a revelation. And God, I pray that we would see that prayer is who you've created us to be. It's who you've made us to be. I pray, God, for our worship, our praise and adoration of you to be strong. For a highway to be created in each of our lives that leads to the very presence of God. I pray that we would understand that prayer is what we're born for. It's our call to see nations change. And so, God, I pray and I impart today, I release by the power of the Holy Spirit a passion, a love, and a desperation to pray and to see your kingdom come and your will done. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to pray in a couple of different ways. The prayer is going to come up on the screen. One of the ways I want us to pray first is just to ensure that everyone in this place has been given an opportunity to give their life to Jesus Christ, to connect to Jesus, to make him Lord of our lives. And so we're going to read this prayer out loud. And if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian in this place, but you would like to connect with Jesus Christ, to start a relationship with him, after we've prayed this prayer out loud, I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes. And in the stillness of that moment, if you've prayed this for the first time and you want to start a relationship with God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so that we can celebrate with you, so that we know you've done it, we can help you in your journey, and uh, we can stand with you. So let's read this out loud together. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Just close your eyes for one moment. As everyone's got their eyes closed, if you're here today and you want to say yes to Jesus Christ, 
Start a relationship with him. As everyone's got their eyes closed, I want to invite you now to raise your hand, to say yes to him, to open your heart to him, commit your life to him and start a relationship with Jesus. Anybody want to do that today? Okay, we've got a few minutes left. We're going to pray in a couple of ways in a moment's time, but I think Rose has um, got, a, got a word or something she'd like to check. Let's welcome Rose. Don't like those stairs. Um, I thought this was just for me, but I believe after this message, it's, it's for us. I was waking up at 4.30 in the night and thinking, oh, I never wake up. What's all this about? So I thought that God had something. And I was praying, what do you have, Lord? And I had a picture of my watch. I thought, okay. Nothing came after that, so I went back to sleep. And this morning when I was walking my dog, I remembered that picture and I looked at my watch and it was exactly nine o'clock. And I said, Lord, what are you saying? What does that mean? And he said, it's time. Now, I don't know what that means to you, but it's all connected with prayer. And Paul has preached a very powerful word this morning. It's time. Maybe it's time to go driving along that B road. I'm not sure. Oh, man. Thank you, Rose. It's time. As I was um, praying and preparing, I felt... Oh, nine o'clock in the morning. Come, Come and share that. Nine o'clock in the morning is the um, time of Pentecost, um, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, so maybe it's time. Um, I want us to pray in a few different ways because, I, and, I, and I felt that's, and let's go with that actually in terms of just prayer for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And um, God, we believe it's time. We believe it's time for an outpouring. We believe it's time that as your church prays, for you to come and do something. I believe if, you're, if you feel dry, or if you need, this is, that's a pointless prayer. Let's stand together. Um, I believe that every one of us need to respond in some way. And um, responses in different ways, some hands up already. Responses, um, I believe in the universal sign of surrender to God. Just hands up. But God, we believe it's time prophetically. It's time for your church to arise. It's time for prayer to be released as a passion, as a burden, as a necessity on our lives. Come on, let's begin to pray. Let's begin to cry out to God. God, let your spirit fall in this place. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us like never before. We believe, God, that you're saying into our hearts and lives that it is time. And so church, rise up. Lift up your voices today. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice today and be glad in what He has done. This is a moment to lift up your voice and to say, God, we're longing for you to come and move in power. Our God, I pray that you'd stir a desperation in our hearts and lives for more. I pray, God, that you stir in us a passion to see your kingdom come, to stand in the gap for those that don't know you, to stand in the gap for where the earth doesn't look like the heavens and to plead and to pray, God, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Come on, let's lift up our voices. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. 
Let's begin to speak out the name of Jesus. If you speak in tongues, begin to speak out in tongues. Let's declare mysteries in the heavenlies. We declare mysteries. We declare that God will be released in this place. Oh God, we praise you. Oh God, we praise you. Oh God, we praise you. We glorify you, oh God. We glorify you, oh God. We loose freedom. We loose healing. We loose purpose and direction. I loose heaven's economy in this place and over us that we would abound in Jesus' name.